Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Lessons from the Healing Field, an ongoing journey from head to heart with Dr. Howard E. Richmond. Hello, hello everyone, and this is Deborah Louise Brown, and I am so happy to be doing this show with my good friend, Dr. H., and I think I'm really talking over that music. I might have to rethink how that whole thing starts, because I think I start talking and I have to scream at myself. (laughs) But you know what? Uh, I'd like to have you say hello to us, and then I'm going to read about you for a moment. So, hello. Hello, Deborah. It's great to be back here with you, and we're walking around in the healing field. I know. It is so good. I can smell the grass. And you know, there's nothing yes. quite like cut grass. You know, the smell of cut grass is so healing. I love that. Yeah. But I want to kind of remind people um, of who you are because uh, some people will tune in for the first time and, and they don't have the context that you and I do. So um, I'd like to say that um, let's just read your short bio. So it's integrative psychiatrist and author Howard E. Richmond, M.D., is an inspirational teacher and coach who greets people on their life's journey and guides them to create the best life ever. His lessons about releasing judgments and hidden emotions introduce a new language that fuels and stimulates personal growth. The Healing Field, his first novel, is a riveting account of the healing breakthrough that saved his anorexic patient's life and transformed his own. So the way I'd like to start this is actually talking about the title of your book, Where did that come from, and what does it mean? So the the title, I'll start with the title and end with the subtitle, perhaps. The title, The Healing Field, uh, is multi-layered. One layer is in the book, The Healing Field, where my patient and I would go out to a field beyond the parking lot of the hospital where I was treating her. So it has the significance of there was an actual field there. Another significant part of the healing field is that we are fields of energy. And as human beings, we are energetic um, body, mind, spiritual beings. And our field of energy can get contaminated, toxic, and diseased. And, of course, we want to do the best we can to have our energy be a healing field. Another association of the title is an old movie in the, I believe it was early 80s, about Cambodia called The Killing Field or The Killing Fields. And I had that in my mind as well when the title came to me that this was a journey from the battlefield to the healing field. And the story in novel form of my patient and I, our journey, um, was the journey through the battlefield, the battlefield of her diseased mind and how it was affecting her life and the lessons learned from that of how we get from the battlefield to the healing field. So that's the um, the story about the title. It took me a long time to um, come up with a subtitle. The, the title was actually easy. It was very intuitive. It was in that space where I was really out of my mind, so to speak, wasn't really thinking about it. I was more feeling it and seeing it. And the subtitle, I wanted to tell um, as much information in as few as words that I could. And the subtitle 
is a young psychiatrist battle with his anorexic patient, her hunger strike against God, and their journey through the dark night of the soul. Title and subtitle. And there's so much to unpack in that subtitle <laughs> because um, what you went through, and, and I, we, we kind of go back and forth between you and Dr. H and Henry in the story, and we never mention your patient's uh, real name, but um, we do refer to her as Lori. And as you've mentioned in several other episodes, you had not only her permission, but her encouragement to write this story and tell this story ongoingly to help others and and um, to continue her healing probably too, wouldn't you say? Exactly. And, and uh, as I have said many times, I had never intended to write a book or reveal information about a patient of mine. And so my patient, Lori, um, not only encouraged me, she she pretty much demanded it. Um, I'm saying that with a smile on my face. She was very adamant. You have to write about this. You have to write about the miracles because it can help other people. And I, I heard that on a deep level, and, and that's why I took the uh, laborious journey, and thank goodness I did, of of capturing in word form the essence of our journey together and the transformation that we can all work on making from the battlefield to the healing field. Right. And I think what I was going to say is to get Lori to the healing field, and I mean the figurative one and the physical one that you found close by that was just so important in her um, in her breakthrough, really, um, you spent a lot of time on that battlefield. And I think we can really get the best sense of that, and I, I say the real sense of that, and I mean real, R-E-A-L, and real, R-E-E-L, um, if you read to us right from the get-go, and I want you to read page 133, and it's going to set up the battle that you were having with Lori. Okay, now to put this into context, particularly for those who have not heard this um, podcast before or uh, read the book, Lori, when she came to see me, she was uh, almost 40 years old, and she was um, in a very deep, dark place, and she was um, consistently suicidal, did not want to live, had lost all hope, had suffered many wounds and traumas in her life, had um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, depression. Um, She was really in a very, very extremely low, prolonged, dark place, and and I didn't know if she was going to, uh, to make it. So the passage I'm going to read is um, about uh, a few years into our treatment, and she goes in and out of the hospital. My character, Henry, is is very frustrated. Um, It seems like there's a stalemate, and things just don't seem to be working out. So, Chapter 12, The Healing Battle, October 1st, 1998. Over four years had passed since Henry first laid eyes on Lori. Her mental and physical health plummeted to an all-time low, and her life force kept dwindling. Henry felt like he was going toe-to-toe with her dark side, a monolithic, negative, fearful shadow energy that sucked the life force out of her and challenged his. The efforts to treat her were exhausting, so much energy expended with no hint of sustained improvement. Lori had fallen deeply into a self-imposed imprisonment of blame and judgment so well constructed that not even Houdini could have escaped. She was stuck, blind, divided, fragmented, separated, and suitably punished. Her weight nosedived once again until it hovered at around 85 pounds. 
after 11 inpatient psychiatric hospitalizations and two extended stays at an eating disorder treatment program out of state, there was nowhere else to turn. This was it. Henry was going to give it one last try. Once more, he told her exactly what he told her a thousand times before, that unless she stopped starving herself, she would have to be hospitalized again. As soon as he said this, Lori leapt to her feet with her usual resistance. He could hardly stand to hear it again himself. Then he noticed that she looked at him direct, directly, fire into her glowering eyes. She seemed to awaken for just that brief moment, no longer frail and brittle. Her meekness and submissiveness vanished in her defiance. She tapped into her power when she defended her right to the seemingly absurdity of her behavior. He waited. Minutes passed. Neither of them backed down. They had become intertwined in a dysfunctional healing battle. Lori, in an attempt to release overwhelming tension, tried to get Dr. Kaplan to do the one thing he would not do, repudiate, condemn, and abandon her. Henry, on the other hand, Dr. Kaplan, had become trapped in the endless reruns of her bad movie scenarios, watching her mind playing the same pointless episodes over and over again. How he wished he could direct a new script where he would be the welcome healer rather than the reproving judge, the role her subconscious mind had cast him in. Wow. I have so much to say about those passages. Let's just start with the fact that this going toe-to-toe with her dark side, a monolithic, negative, fearful shadow energy. In Lori's case, it was, it was huge, overwhelming, overpowering, and basically killing her. And, and for the rest of us, um, we're probably going to have similar things sometimes that are not necessarily going to be that dire, and it's not going to take as right. long for everyone to have a transformational moment or event or something like that that gets us um, some healing. So speak about that a little bit, because it sounds like this was just um, a a raging battle. And and really, the reason you call it the battlefield is because it's really what you were, you were in a pitched battle with her and with her demons, or do you even call them demons? Um, It, it was a battlefield and I called it, um, the the minefield when the mind becomes a minefield and we'll talk about some of the um, metaphors that I use in the in the minefield um, so um, let me unpack this for you on the on the surface uh, if a listener or a reader taps into that passage that I just read. I mean, on one level, I feel it also. It's like my my body goes, oh, yuck. Wow. This is causing me to feel tense. It's, it's evoking tension in my body. And there's a repellent force because this is really dark. So that's one level or layer. Another can be, uh, oh, my God, that's so horrible. Thank goodness thank god i i don't have anything near that bad so oh okay i'm i'm safe i i can leave now i don't have to watch this and yet if we stick around and put it in the context of we can all fall into mental traps that put us in a prison um even if it's a um seemingly not so dark prison the good news is that there's a way out of that prison and what i've shared with you into the prism of life where there is is light so this passage was a particularly uh stuck point and the the depth of the darkness the good news is 
that there's a reciprocal um, uh, polarity of light that neither of us knew was going to come through. And thank God it did come through. And so the good news for all of us is that, wow, we can we can learn how to go through those bottlenecks. And, and thank goodness that most of us don't have such horrific uh, times at, the, uh, at it, though in my experience that there's a significant minority that that does and and I have the utmost of compassion and and empathy for people that uh can get stuck in that dark space so if this message this book and this work can help uh people um get out of the prison uh and see some more light to get out of the prison uh then then my work is is valuable. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you put this in that context just now because this book, while the subtitle, you know, refers to an anorexic patient and, you know, this is that story, this book is not about anorexia. This book is not Correct. about that at all. It's about healing that will be um it has crossover application to my life and many of my friends and colleagues and many people that I know and lots of people out, you know, in the world. So I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I don't want people to be confused that, you know, it's, it's only for somebody that's, that's suffering with anorexia because it's really the opposite of that. <laughs> so, which is really so beautiful that, that your patient knew that her story would be able to help people that are not, uh, having the same dis-ease, and I didn't say disease, I said dis-ease, that she had and has, but their own. Correct. Correct. And that's why you're right. It's it's a universal story that we all go through, consciously or not, the journey through fear and judgment to compassion and love. And this is a story of two people's journey through that, uh, and it's it's relevant to all of us to um, get more awareness of how we can consciously uh, navigate um, the, the, those dark places with more light and more ability to transform, to get out of that fear, to get out of the battlefield and into the healing field. Before we get to the wonderful metaphors that you mentioned a moment ago um, that are in the mind field, I want to go to another place in that passage that I think is important from my, from my point of view. And that is where you talk about Henry had become trapped in the endless reruns of her bad movie scenarios, watching her mind playing the same pointless episodes over and over again and how he wished he could direct a new script. Um, Oh my God! Could could that be any more like Deborah Brown? <laughs> I've got some scripts <laughs> and some movies and some reruns that are just, you know, like seriously, uh, not serving me at all. So I get that one big time. Yes, again, it's 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 universal. It's common. And then when when we when we call it what it is and put it into words, and, and when I use a metaphor like this, that we all have a mental movie projector that plays reruns, we get stuck in reruns, um, boy, everybody can relate to that. Now, what I learned up close with Lori and some of my other challenging um, patients over the years uh, is that this um, movie metaphor um is so powerful because and it's so real i'll put that in italics and quotes it's so it's so real imagine we're in a movie theater deb and let's say it's a it's a horror film and let's say we don't like uh, the horror film and let's say we can't get out of the seat well, we're going to be we're going to be very very uncomfortable, and and our body is going to re respond as if we're in in danger, and we um, can let's say uh, not get out of that movie. Now, intellectually, we know that there's a 
movie projector at the back of the of the theater, and there's a um, still pictures 24 frames per second going through that movie projector, and it's on that screen, and it's really the as you mentioned R E E L. It's real. And it seduces our senses as if it's R-E-A-L. What a beautiful analogy and metaphor for the mind. Because the mind seduces us. And I've seen this up close in the privilege of my profession. And when people invite me into their dark places and spaces, I see up close these movies that are reruns that get played over and over and cause dis-ease. And what I've been able to learn and to teach is to show uh, people how to be aware of that trap, how to get some space so that a little part of them isn't sucked into that whole movie, so that little part can grow. The observer, the non-judgmental observer that needs the information to say, oh, wow, wow. And and then we can learn to uh, uh, edit and splice change the real, change the script, change the movie. And change doesn't happen in an instant. It's an ongoing process of awareness and more awareness and then practicing uh, that awareness of how we can react and get stuck in our reaction mode. And then when we start to learn that, we are editing and splicing. And as I've said before, uh, reruns are boring. So when we create new episodes that are transformational, that's very exciting. It is very exciting. And I think I'd like to share with you that a lot of times the movie that I have playing in my head stars not just me and another person, but the star is what I think others think of me. Mm-hmm. And that, that, mm-hmm. that is very disconcerting sometimes because now mm-hmm. I've got judgment on about three levels deep. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and isn't that interesting that I, I would feel that, you know, but I do. And, and I, I, can, I can almost wake myself up from a nightmare or a bad dream with that feeling um, that, yeah, gee, you know, the star of that little nightmare or movie or whatever was what I think somebody else thinks of me. Is right. that common? Right. Is that common? It's it's so common. It's so common, Deb. And I'm glad you're sharing that because I see it so, so, so frequently. And the good news is, as you are seeing that and able to put it in words, when you do that, then your words uh, become a sentence uh, that then gets you out of the prison of doing that same uh, loop over and over again, when you have this awareness and you practice like you are um, like you are doing repetitions in the gym, you're practicing this awareness, you're developing that muscle so that your awareness is more and more continuous. That's where the work goes, is having this awareness more continuously of the uh, of that mental movie, of that movie that keeps playing over, and you've identified, which is really good work, um, that the power goes to the perception uh, that you give away unconsciously uh, of of other people's judgments towards you. Now, as you know this more and more continuously, you start to put slow down that movie. You start to put the brakes on it. You see where it has come from in the past, and you know intellectually it no longer works for you in the present. And there's another part of us, uh, the emotional part. Uh, emotions don't know the calendar, so there's that emotional pull towards the origin in time where this came from. So it's simply complex and very compelling. So there's a part of us that has the awareness, and yet the awareness tends to be discontinuous. And there's another hurdle, is when we have more and more continuous awareness, 
then we deal with the emotions that still have power over us. And when we start dealing with emotions with without judgment, that's the key there, without judgment, or let's say with less and less judgment, then those emotions uh, lose their grip on our uh, reality screen because the emotions and the stories that's what goes into the movie reel in our mental movie projector so it's it's quite fascinating don't you think i do i do it is fascinating and you know so i would imagine that a person well i'll just talk about myself so if i have a a lot of movies that star what I think others think of me, um, if yeah. I can uh, tell myself, okay, you know, notice it, you know, I'm aware of it, thank you, you know, thank you for showing up again, and and um, and then how do I change the reel? And I mean R-E-E-L okay, so, and R-E-A-L. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's work this. Thank you for um, being a... Um, and an an example. Um, I won't call you a guinea pig. I was going to say guinea a, pig. <laughs> that can have a negative connotation, and I it's, I only want the positive here. So let's start with the awareness that there's a um, um, character uh, called, uh, let's say. The judge, and, and we could dress the judge up with uh, a black robe, and um, maybe it's Judge Judy. Maybe it's. Um, it, it can be helpful to see who this judge is, or to make a character, or a caricature, of of this figure. Once we start to claim it and dress it up, um, we're start to, we're starting to manage the power that we give it. And so we can give it less power in a way that we're re-scripting and recasting uh, the members in our life's movie. So you have others uh, that are judge uh, that are judging you, or that you feel are judging you. That's that's a more appropriate term. Mm-hmm. So we're now starting to identify that that this isn't necessarily real. As you know, intellectually, it's not R-E-A-L. And so it's a reflexive reaction. And when we slow it down and see um, that it's, it's a perception, and then when you look in your past, I imagine that you can find places or people um, or or a person, commonly it, it's a parent, um, that has influenced us or that has given us the message that somehow we haven't done good enough. Um, and so those imprints from early on, um, when we start to discover them, they're, they're really helpful to see the origins and the roots of this so that then you can start to see that you're you're really working in in multidimensional time space. In other words, you're not just in this clock time of now time. You're in another clock time of emotional time. And emotions don't know the calendar. So when we start to lose our judgment, because that gets in the way, we, we judge ourselves to be inadequate because we're letting other people's judgment rule us. Wow, that's a trap. So when we breathe through the idea that when we let go of our judgment to realize that emotions don't know the calendar, that these emotions of of fear, feelings of worthlessness, uh, perhaps guilt and shame, these emotions can hide, and they also don't know the calendar, and that makes... Uh, that makes these abstract ideas much more concrete when we can see the storyline from when it came from in another time zone and we really get fluent in the back story so that it has less and less pull in in the now time in a reflexive reaction autopilot mode. Does that make sense? It does, and I love the less and less pull Thing that you just dropped there at the end because I was thinking if I were to dress the judge and make it a caricature, claim it, dress it, manage it, 
and slow it down so that whenever I have that feeling or wake up with that feeling, if it happens to be you know something that comes through the night, which sometimes happens, um, what a joy that will be to just um, uh, kind of play with it a little bit, you know, make this judge um, my judge. <laughs> you know, like you know what you're wearing That's my right. my outfit, and I will have you. That's right. You know, I will have you sit over there on that chair. And we will just move on. And and I love it. And I also was thinking that um, I, I could almost see myself creating a vision board kind of thing, you know, where I would actually have a poster board with some of this stuff where I would actually work it out, uh, you know, so that it's a visual, not for everybody else's consumption, just for my own, um, so that I can mm-hmm. really work harder, uh, faster, you know, because I'm like that. I want it. I want it yesterday. You see how I'm already trying to make it my way. <laughs> it's like I don't want it to be. Well, I don't want it to well, be in, yeah, me, in due time. <laughs> oh, that's well, too funny. Well, let, let me jump to your enthusiasm and and say yes um, to your your excitement and your your discovery and also your creativity, so that putting it on on a vision board is an excellent way to slow down how fast it goes in in our mind's movie projector just like in a film when we put it in super slow motion it it starts to lose its power and control over us so when you put it on the vision board you're starting to make uh, it much more real in the sense of apparent transparent and your awareness is very keen and very sharp so um the the reaction in your excitement it was like okay i want to do it i want to do it so i can do it quicker and 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 so it won't be so and harder and it's the excitement of okay no cuz you want to let go of the judgment cuz that just it, 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 the judge is part of part of the infrastructure of our minds so in one of my metaphors, the committee of three, one of the committee is the judge. So it's very universal and very appropriate. We all have that inner critic and that inner judge. And um, the judge, the perception often is very common, Deb, that it's others um, that are judging us or judging you. And um, um a a statement came to me years ago um that just landed and i said thank you and the the statement that landed the sentence that landed was all judgment is self-judgment and that was a real aha for me and a great example that you share and that we're now manipulating um, so that the perception that everybody or many people out there are judging you, and when we see that we have an inner judge in residence, and that inner judge uh, can cloak and then project more judgment on others as if it was others, and it's really our own critic and judge, that's a major wow, and also a way to take away or lessen the pull and lessen the power of the perception that others are judging you as you see deeper layers of the story and what you thought was real was not really real and you're recreating your reality. Exactly. And I would also like to say that this inner judge that you're talking about being on this panel of three inner critics, mm-hmm. um you know what it is it is self judgment my it is me and I will say this without any question if I think it really if I just go with it, and this is what I'm saying. Uh, my parents never criticized anything I ever did. They never told me that I had to be an a student or or be the best in the class. They never told me that that I would for the whole time I was in school, including college that if I wasn't the best in the class, I was a failure. That's what I thought. And they never said that. They never, ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever said that to me. So somewhere along the line, I made that decision. Yeah. And it has stick, stuck with me now. I'm 61 years old, and I still feel that way. 
and it, and yeah. it's very very disconcerting sometimes because it's it's exhausting, you know, because I'm not the best at everything. And, and so, <laughs> so who 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 made that decision? What part of you made that? Where did that come from? I don't know. I I really don't know. I, I I've been this way since I was four years old, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So, so it's something. It's something inside that doesn't have to be there, and I'm going to dress that puppy up. <laughs> so right. I'm, just, right. I'm that, making a caricature out of that. Yes. Because yes. I'm done with it. That, I'm sick of how, it. Yes. Yes. That's your that's your edit and splice. That's your changing the reel. That's your awareness of the old reel. Um, now you have it in in clear um, vision and awareness and you can put words on it and now you can reshape it and change it that's the work and um it's not designed that you get it right the first time and then it's uh, it's like an on off switch no it's more like a pendulating dimmer dimmer switch so the more that you do it the more um you'll uh, lose that power um that that critic has over you and that's uh, that's the journey, and it's a it's a great journey. Well, I'll tell you, it's I just was able to take a really nice cleansing breath, thinking of it as a dimmer switch, and that I don't have mm-hmm. to do it all, you know. And the fact that I haven't managed it in sixty one years does not make me a failure. <laughs> I can still I can still keep working on it, and I've got hopefully another thirty right. or forty years on this earth, and I think that's awesome. Right, exactly. You're you're changing your script because the common one is the automatic one is, hey, you're 61 years old. You haven't got it by now. What's wrong with you? And mm-hmm. you know how powerful and automatic that is. Now, when you when you extricate that, and now you maybe make use humor or vision board or dress it up. Uh, and you keep that very close to you at all times, um, that pattern is is being interrupted the more your awareness is this clear as it is right now. I just thought of something, Dr. H. On my cell phone, which is an iPhone, there I have these emoticons. I love my emoticons. I use them all the time, just like a kid. And mm-hmm. there is a... There's a series of the three monkeys that have the uh, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And by Mm -hmm. gosh, I'm going to start putting those on my messages to people just for fun, just for me. And it will be my inner critics, my inner critics just kind of dressed up like the little monkeys they are. And by gosh, there we go. And I'm happy about that. So there. That's beautiful. (laughs) That's beautiful. I, I love that. That's beautiful. It's a great example of retraining the mind or the brain, retraining it with with new with new habit patterns. Um, we first have to identify the old ones, let go of our judgment, and now the energy of creativity that you and I and and others that are listening can feel that energy of creativity. That's what fuels change. So you keep putting that energy in, and you're on your way. All right. Well, what I like about what we're doing is talking about words and images and metaphors, and now we've got my three little monkeys that that are going to work for me. But let's go back to your metaphors for what's happening in the battlefield, your WMDs and all of that, um, that rich language that you have for us about what's going on when we're in the battlefield. I love this part. So in Lori's um, mind and how I was visualizing this metaphorically in another um, complementary way is her her mind um, was a was a minefield and um, not just with Lori um, with with all of us. Um, our mind can become a mind uh, a minefield. So with Lori, it was quite quite clear. 
um, and I started to envision um, what you would see in, in a minefield and put it in language of emotions. So um, the guilt grenade. Um, Lori suffered tremendous guilt that she didn't save her sister from suicide and another friend from dying. She had tremendous guilt. So in the minefield, in the minefield that becomes a minefield, um, there's guilt grenades. And when they're really big ones, I call them RPGG, rocket-propelled guilt grenades. So we can fire them on ourselves. We can fire them on other people. Um, I visualize sometimes I'll use my hands and pantomime a hand grenade and I'll pull the the trip wire and I'll toss an imaginary grenade to the, to the person that I'm interacting with. And so it, it then makes concrete uh, these emotions that we can we can both receive and dole out guilt grenades, anger arrows that we shoot at others or uh, they boomerang and we shoot at ourselves. Um, shame shrapnel. I, I visualize an Uzi just pelting out shame shrapnel. Uh, Lori had so much shame, so much guilt. Um, uh, winds of worthlessness. Again, to make it concrete, um, those those winds of worthlessness were in complete residence in in Lori's minefield. Um, betrayal bombs. So she felt betrayed by God, by life, by other people. So she had huge betrayal bombs. Um, Passive-aggressive powder, <laughs> to take it even further. Um, fears of fire. So the, the short list, um, when the mind field can become a toxic mind field, we can have fires of fear, betrayal bombs, passive-aggressive powder, shame shrapnel, guilt grenades, anger arrows, winds of worthlessness. That's the battlefield. So you're talking about waging inner war or waging war with others. And then when we go to the healing field side, tell us what we're waging. We're waging inner peace. And you had a sense of, of the energy of those emotions that we typically call negative these are emotions that get stuck and have extremely negative or harmful consequences to self and often others. So um, you you felt that that energy drain. Now in the healing field, uh, what what I had to do to to go toe to toe with her dark side, um, I had to let go of all of my judgment. I had to manage my emotions that got triggered, and I had to come from a place of love, damn it, Um, no matter what, a place Mm -hmm. of compassion, a place where I could see that her pain was driving um, her mental movie projector and creating that minefield. And so I stood in that space as best as I could of compassion and understanding. And that has a force that's equal and opposite and then ultimately what I experienced more powerful more powerful than that dark space and that negativity and so Lori was able to join me after a sustained battle in the battlefield where I was coming from the intention of healing field and she was coming from that deep dark, wounded place, that horrific place of the battlefield. And then eventually um, she was able to uh, receive some of this healing energy and it started to uh, spark spark in her as if her soul began to flicker 
and some light started to come through and she started to turn around with 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 two steps forward instead of two steps backward and um the journey uh took on a whole new trajectory that's beautiful that's beautiful and i'm 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 thinking over what you were just saying about you know fire and gunpowder and bombs and shrapnel and grenades and rocket propelled grenades and all that stuff and it's all um very compelling imagery in a very painful place and then yes. the healing field is about nature and beauty and sweet smelling air and hope and peace and love yes and the battlefield that I talked about and you just described again so I call that the 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 WMDs the weapons of mental destruction and while the whole country was fixated on um weapons of mass destruction I was uh, focused on the WMDs the weapons of of mental destruction and and when these weapons of mental destruction can start to see the light of day because they are so often hidden there's many hiding places to the uh, the WMDs they hide in our body they hide in our stories they hide in our subconscious mind they hide in the past and when we start to shed the light on the WMDs then we can start to um manage just like you had that experience earlier when you had the conceptualizing the judge and and dressing the, the and using the icons of the monkeys um when we start to see it with a new clarity with with new vision when we become clairvoyant clear seeing um then these wmds have less power and as they have less power uh that's when um uh, the healing field starts to 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 grow now it takes a while for the healing field to blossom we got to stay i mean to to take a dirt lot and and build a garden conceptually very simple experientially you got to do the work the heavy lifting the manure the fertilizer the sunshine the water and so more and more of that uh healing light um started to penetrate the darkness of the WMDs and the battlefield and that was the transition at times it came with a burst of of light and the healing field was just magnificent and then there was other times that that light would be invaded by the darkness and eventually the darkness uh got less and less and the light got stronger and stronger and the light stays stronger up until today i'm very thankful about that uh for her for you for anybody else having this experience of this work anybody working on their own transformation or their journey to peace or whatever it looks like for them I hope that's what's happening, more and more light. And what I also hope, and we could talk about this for a minute, is that I believe that having that childlike joy and willingness to play is probably also very helpful. You know, you were saying something about my exuberance a moment ago, and I was thinking, yeah, I was, I was like a kid, you know, and I, I think I've even said that tonight, you know, I, I was like a kid. And yeah, there's so much power in letting go of what we think we're supposed to be and slipping back into that beautiful childlike place of a four-year-old or a five-year-old. Right. Right, exactly. And uh, we can talk another time perhaps about the committee of three. Uh, I only mentioned one, the um, the critic or the judge. Um, another um, committee member is the child, and, and the child is often the... Um, um, the, the the scared um sad um child that feels inadequate that we sometimes uh especially men put in the basement and and put the duct tape on that child 
And uh, so when we can uh, rescue that child, take off the duct tape, allow that child to, to have that wondrous, playful, creative child energy, yes, that's the good stuff. That's what you're talking about. That's what you felt, and that's what we feel when we um, get our critic or judge out of the way and we open up our body, our mind, our heart, our spirit uh, and then that's where I like to say the miracles happen, the space of grace and ease. So there's a huge value in letting the child loose. I think this is great. I think this is great because I believe that that is what has kept me, and I'm going to use the word sane, even though you're a psychiatrist, you might have you might cringe a little bit when people use crazy and sane, you know, inter, you know, wherever they want. But um, maybe you don't. But um, I think that the fact that I can be um, childlike often, and that I I love it, and my husband loves it, and we play, I think that has saved me from a lot of pain at various times in my life because I will play, and I will find yeah. people who play with me. You know, that's what I fill my life with is people who will play. And I have grandchildren, an eight-year-old and a a five-year-old who love Grandma Deb. I mean, they love Grandma Deb time because it's all about whatever they want to do. And I will play as an eight-year-old and a five-year-old interchangeably. And it's fun. It's fun, and you're totally present. You're not in the future. You're not in the past. You're not in judgment. Your heart is open, and that's that's a great place and space to cultivate. And um, yeah, I can. It, it's it's beautiful. It is beautiful, and you know what else? Life is beautiful, and love is beautiful. And now I'm sounding like a, uh, a Beatles song again. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? All you need is love. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh! Well, you know we're not going to get out of this alive. I mean, life, <laughs> but we can certainly do a lot to go towards joy and well-being. And I think this has been a great conversation about going from the battlefield, which is where all that shrapnel and crap is, um, over to the where the flowers and the butterflies and the beautiful smell and all that good stuff is. I think it's just great. And prepare for the coming of the WMDs. I just don't want to um, create this image that once we get to the healing field, we can dance um, and and not have uh, the darkness come again. So that yeah, that we can have that joy, the light, the butterflies, and the flowers, and. It, it, like any garden, um, it takes work to maintain it, and the main the maintenance work is is not as laborious as as uh, reconstructing um, our our garden so that that the remnants of the battlefield are less and less, and and the the healing field is more and more. So so it's a process, and as I said to you before, um, we're we're sentenced to life. And we might as well make it a a great life. And life is a process. It's a long-term project that's ongoing. Those two components can really be helpful in this journey of yes to life. Exactly. And in that passage that I that I asked you to read at the top of the show, um, toward the end of that passage, the text is though the battle was temporarily over, the war would continue. And I think that's kind of what I'm hearing you say, is that you know we'll have our, our good days and our great days and our better days and our awesome days, and then we'll still have those WMDs that will, um, that will be there. But the more we practice what to do when one is lobbed in our, in our space, the better we'll be, right? It just takes practice. It's 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 awareness, awareness, awareness times ten, and so as we practice and we have this awareness, um, then like that movie Matrix. Uh, did you see that movie with Keanu Reeves? I, yes, yes. And so when um, 
when the when they have that battle um it, it it goes in slow motion the bullets that are coming that would go so quickly it goes in slow motion so as we get better at practicing this uh then those WMDs it's like they're in slow motion we can see them as they are coming so we have more t- <laughs> more time <laughs> to get out of the way mm-hmm. uh, we have more tools um to uh, uh to know how to um um diffuse the trip wires rather than to detonate and that's where things continue to uh to grow and shift when we get better at that just call me your your minefield consultant. <laughs> exactly. But I want to know if I'm going to get the great trench coat and that flexibility to be able to, you know, like have a bullet coming at me and just, you know, go completely, you know, backwards and, and be able to get back up. No, not so much. Not so much. No, well, not happening. <laughs> okay, let's forget start it. With slowing, let's start with slowing them down and taking okay. off that invisible target that you may have sometimes in your uh, uh your costume your ego costume wardrobe <laughs> no sometimes kidding sometimes we I think have that, that target yes <laughs> i love that all right so you see we can play even when we're talking about bullets oh my goodness isn't that funny yes yes okay okay yes. well this has been great this has been great thank you so much as usual now tell us how people can get hold of the healing field book. And let me read the whole, I always just call it the healing field, but let me read it with the subtitle because you're right, it's, it's the whole thing. It's the healing field, a young psychiatrist battle with his anorexic patient, her hunger strike against God, and their journey through the dark night of the soul. So how can people get hold of you and the book? Before I mention that, I'd like to say that uh, I want to acknowledge and thank you, Deb, for being such a wonderful partner in the healing field to to play with me, to engage with me, to be uh, open and vulnerable and feel very safe and empowered uh, in the process. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And you do make me feel safe, even though we're broadcasting to who knows how many earball ears. I start to say earballs, ears, <laughs> eyeballs. <laughs> oh God, help me. <laughs> oh, help me. <laughs> I'm kidding. You, you okay, go being, ahead. You are being helped now, <laughs> whether you're aware of it or not, and then simultaneously. You don't need any help. Thank you. So the more information would be one place is my website, howardrichmondmd.com. That's the name Howard and then R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D, the letters M-D.com. Also the healingfieldbook.com. And the book can also be purchased on Amazon. So those are ways to get in touch with the work that I'm doing and um, the links, I imagine, to these podcasts. Yes, all of that is um, is all the interlinking. And even if a person is looking at the player on this, uh, where this show is playing, um, I actually have two hot links for the Healing Fields book and also for HowardRichmondMD.com. So I've tried to make it as easy as possible for people to click through and find more good stuff. So this has been fantastic. I'm still hoping, holding out for the trench coat. I don't think it's happening, but I am loving my monkey idea. So, <laughs> so we can we can just work with that, right? <laughs> Right. We'll let go of the attachment to the trench coat and uh, be open to the monkeys and whatever whatever other um, muses uh, are waiting to land in your healing field. <laughs> Thank you. This has been great. Thank you. And and um, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.